Hi everyone, it's Adam from Monkey Tennis here. Just saying a huge thank you to all of you that have supported my charity appeal uh, so far. For those that haven't heard about it, this September I'm going to be swimming uh, 15 kilometres uh, between five islands in Cornwall. Uh, I'll be swimming the Isles of Scilly. That's Scilly, S-C-I-L-L-Y. Um, I'm doing it because I want to, but also to raise money for Calm, the campaign against living miserably. It's a well-known statistic that 125 people in the UK die by suicide every week, and Calm run a free and confidential helpline for people to speak through their problems and ultimately to help prevent suicides. Um, I'm looking to raise enough money to train two new phone workers um, to man those lines um, and I'll be doing it by swimming the Isles of Scilly in Cornwall. Um, if you're looking to support me, it would be greatly appreciated. Um, you can donate at justgiving.com. Um, just go there and search for Adam Swim Silly. That's Adam Swim Silly, S-C-I-L-L-Y. All donations greatly appreciated. Thank you for helping me to support Calm. And now, on with monkey tennis. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And this is the beauty of podcasting, the freedom of the medium. Monkey tennis. Bring, bring. Fireworks. Dumb about. Trees are my pawn. Monkey tennis. Ready, steady, fuck off. Scratch me. Are you being served? Monkey tennis. Excuse me, your dog's taken my dog's stick. With a chuckle, with a chuckle. Monkey tennis. Yep, absolutely. Yep, 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 absolutely. Generally, I think new ideas are bad. Monkey tennis. Why not consider chips? You must come and stay in the barn. Fuck off. Riddle me that, you nutters. Nothing refreshes like an ice cold glass of milk. Nah. Monkey Tennis from the Oast House. Keep it down, love. Hello and welcome to Monkey Tennis, the Alan Partridge fan podcast. I'm Adam Brooks and I'm joined by Tom Dark. Filling hungry bums with hot food. Nick Alder. Lynn, no matter how much I want you to change, I don't think 5k is going to do it. And Tom Stab. Fresh from the microwave, I got a piping hot lasagna with a pint of Guinness and I thought, it doesn't get more British than this. <laughs> so, uh, welcome to another Monkey Tennis. We are continuing our journeys to Alan's Oast House, uh, reviewing his podcast episodes, which you can find on Audible, of course. Um, and we're up to episode 12, involving a trip abroad. Now, this is interesting because uh, we know Alan is quite a cr- contrary figure, a uh, bit of a hypocrite, maybe. Um, but as we know, one of his most famous lines from I'm Alan Partridge series two, he hates American things. And yet here he is fresh from a holiday in Los Angeles. And we're also led to believe that he regularly holidays in Los Angeles as well. Mm. This isn't his first trip. 
I think there's lots of hypocrisy that runs through this, given he's talked mm. about the British being culturally choked by the Americans and then the amount of Americanisms <laughs> yes. he drops throughout this episode. Um, very much pulled out on that. The first thing I noted is that uh, he got a taxi from Gatwick. Um, so a taxi from Gatwick to Norwich is three hours and 151 miles. That is going to be so expensive. <laughs> and, and also, uh, don't we hear the taxi driver has essentially dropped him at the door, but in episode nine of Oast House, Alan talks about not even giving out his address to taxi drivers, so yeah. more hypocrisy there as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's, he makes them drop him at the, the edge of a field, doesn't yeah, he? And then, yeah, and the the, uh, there was the... Um, the storm episode where he doesn't even want the taxi driver to see the code for the for the gate or something as well right yeah yeah, yeah. um also i mean that that's that's made a very long cab journey when you consider it sounds like the driver's been pitching him ideas <laughs> the entire way uh so yeah the cab driver's smart idea is mugs with slogans um and uh, i did wonder what alan must have said to him about his occupation in order to be getting pitched these ideas as Alan's sort of presented himself as an entrepreneur or something. He's what? kind of ended up getting dragon's den. I imagine it's probably a bit of small talk, although when you mentioned the dragon's den thing in iPartridge, remember he does uh, allow yeah. small, small business people to pitch him ideas while he lays out on the bed. Um, but I, yeah. I, I also like that he, he obviously doesn't think that the idea has any value, but let's not forget, and I don't want to jump ahead too much. Alan was about to set up a lanyard business called lanyard 3000. <laughs> <laughs> I think mean, does, does he say it's a terrible idea? Not enough mugs to buy him. That's never going to work. Poor bastard. Yeah, yeah. He's he's yeah. not not on board with this. In I the wonder slightest, if he, I he? wonder if he's been burned by uh, novelty mugs after Sonia put his face on one side and a picture <laughs> of a cat on the other. <laughs> yeah, br- brings back memories yeah. of a of a tough tough time. I also like that he describes London Gatwick as being just outside Brighton. Uh, nice little dig at uh, the fact that most of London's airports are actually miles out of town. <laughs> yeah. And um, then I think we have the first incident of uh, Alan swapping D's for T's when he says literally. Yeah, there's lots of this, isn't there? Like, oh, that, yeah, that happens a lot. The keen He's got full day Clifton. Yeah, the keen partridge ear will, will, will be attuned to that and aware of the rank hypocrisy, um, which I think everyone can kind of enjoy. I think before we get into that, Alan reveals that because the trip is fresh in the old noggin, he's decided he's got to do a podcast about it. But uh, the key bit of information here is he hasn't slept for 36 hours. <laughs> so you know it's going to go well. Yeah, yeah. And then he enters the host house, greeted by Seldom or Seldy. Um, and <laughs> Seldom is quite excited. So Alan has to tell him to please calm down, sounding a bit like he's scared. But Alan is at pains to explain he's not scared. But if he sounds scared and accepts, Seldom is less likely to attack. So he knows he's top dog and alan is quite happy to let him be that uh, really describing that uh, describing every day as being like a game of chess big dog mm. chess with seldom i like the kind of emotional mind games that these two have to kind of play with each other <laughs> that alan has to kind of feign fear around seldom in a in a way to kind of like outmaneuver him also a bit of fun where he basically seems to uh, claim that he's invented the countryside alliance he talks yeah. about the idea of being in the country is being in a club and he likes that idea of exclusivity you know which which kind of makes sense when you think of choristers and and that sort of thing in the past but then yeah he's sort of like i wish it had a name you know like countryside alliance um <laughs> and uh, i like also that he just describes sort of people that live in the country are posh people and the people that work for them who are happy for that to continue so does that mean does alan consider himself to be one of the posh people oh yeah very oh yeah much definitely, so. I think definitely. He, he lives in an host house and he has a cleaner yeah yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I just had a few notes about him talking about why he went to LA before we get onto the Twitter stuff. What, rebalancing his noggin? Yeah. 
Go on. So Alan um, opens the episode uh, telling us about his reasons why he likes to go to LA. He he sometimes he needs to get away from it all to rebalance mentally and physically. Uh, now. I would think, you know, LA does obviously have its beautiful parts when you can get down to like Malibu and the beach, but I'm not sure the way he's describing it is like he's gone to some kind of relaxing, holistic retreat or something. Yeah. And yeah, I, th- I think also in the first few minutes at this point when, when we get the first literally, so he's swapping the D's for the T's, saying that he's picking up the kind of like transatlantic accent that he's brought back with him. Because he says that nowhere on earth can hold a torch to LA apart from maybe Dubai. And I thought further to that, I couldn't think of anywhere worse to go on holiday than Dubai. It's just loads of massive buildings and kind of fake islands in the middle of a desert. Like, I, that think, does, yeah, does I think it's appeal. absolutely partridge destination for holiday, isn't it, Dubai? Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, basically, yeah. It's, it's, it's corporate and it's business and it's Alan through and through. Um, I also think and that, that there's, an fake. El- <laughs> there's an element of that's the joke about him going to LA to clear his head because he basically lives in the countryside where most people from cities would go to clear their heads. So it's like, countryside life has just got too much he has to go to a sprawling metropolis full of smog yeah and as transpires it's like he he does he does not make the most of his time in la whatsoever no (laughs) so is it time to go to twitter to find out what other people have been saying they like most about uncle sam let's do it Um, absolutely um so we have lucy and hallett who just says i don't have an uncle sam uh classic case of people on twitter just not understanding the question or missing the joke uh, which i enjoyed uh kate kate from york her uncle sam buys her fags and booze uh although crucially it's not actually her uncle sam um takes on a slightly sinister tone as uh, that's just a cover story if anyone just gets a bit too close to the situation and then the final uh comment from twitter is uh, simply waffles um with the distinction being drawn between the british which are potato and the american americans which are batter uh, and then the british which obviously have holes and the americans which just have indentations to which uh, alan draws a mild uh, amusing comedy about the British and American either being to, able to or not being able to kind of see through uh, Waffle, at which point it triggers another comment in his own mind about him needing to do stand-up comedy, which is probably about the third or fourth time we've heard <laughs> it uh, in the series. Gotta do stand-up. Gotta do yeah. stand-up. I mean, he, does, he does then sort of accidentally do a bit of observational comedy when he talks about his bad experience with somebody fitting a shower shelf uh, that said they'd start at nine, but they actually just drank tea. They actually started at ten. They left at two to go to Screefix and didn't turn up until 9.30 the next day, which yeah. I'm sure is an experience we've all had at one point or another. <laughs> oh, God, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's kind of that 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 new, new trope of the, the Gibbons era that Alan often trying to provide a worldly and every man example of something but it always develops to the point of specificity so it becomes evident it's actually just something that's happened to him well remember as well this um comment which comes from lenin hunstanton then goes on to say that he's just started horse riding but we find out that essentially he's just been riding the horse to use the horse's spine to tickle his anus at which point and starts to pull back on the comment for obvious reasons i love the way he reads it out yes gets to between the anus uh no. no, 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 no. It's that classic <laughs> thing about like when he was talking about the outhouse yesterday where he'll start reading it and then you can hear his mind processing the gag and he has to kind of retract and draw it off. Well, he never. Yeah, and I like the fact he hasn't proofread. Oh, yeah, yeah I was about to say, he yeah. never proofreads anything. Um, also, I don't know about you guys, but I've had a, I've got a real craving ever since listening to this episode for the second time for potato waffles. Mm. Absolute, <laughs> absolute school dinner classic. Yeah. <laughs> they are waffly versatile. Um, I like that Alan is sort of briefly considering relocating permanently to LA and, and, and talking about that he says I get off the plane and I just breathe so uh, I did a bit of research according to Forbes uh, LA is the most toxic city in America uh, and, it's the, and it's the 10th worst for air pollution in the world especially at the moment 
Yeah, yeah. I, think, I think the other week they had some some of the worst air pollution in the world. Yeah, I did enjoy as well that he has, to, he has to keep his voice down when talking about relocating to LA in case seldom hears or gets wind, as if as if seldom can understand English and knows what Alan is saying. <laughs> I like that though. I, I like the way there's quite there's quite an emotive development of the relationship between him and Seldom. You know, he really doesn't want to upset Seldom. Yeah. Uh, did anyone um, make a note of Alan's uh, fashion choice as he's walking down Sunset Strip in LA? I thought this was quite akin to uh, Knowing Me, Knowing You, where we had a fashion feature and Alan kind of talks us through his, mm. you know, cruiser Aravistan imperial leisure looks. Uh, this very much kind of felt like it was cut from that same cloth. Um, so Alan will be wearing... Uh, uh, Ray-Ban aviators, huge white sneakers, and a leather fanny pack. <laughs> now I'm aware that I'm aware that fanny packs or bum bags are you know more fashionable um, than they used to be, but I'm not sure that Alan Partridge wearing one round his waist um, with the sunglasses and huge white sneakers is a look that anyone wants to be uh, <laughs> contemplating. I also like the image that he's striding up Sunset Strip in that get-up as well. Yeah, that tickled me. Yeah. Um, there's then what I think is quite a weak gag where he sort of makes a, a joke about somebody in America putting two fingers up to him and he's like I don't know if it was a V for victory or a peace sign uh, but either way you know like, and it's like obviously they're like flicking the V's uh, yeah. and he's misunderstood it and I actually thought that's one of those few gags in this series that I thought is not is not up to the Partridge standard personally I was a bit disappointed with that one yeah so just after Alan's been talking about sitting in the rush hour traffic soaking up the freeway which I again really enjoyed is when he talks about learning to use raised inflection at the end of sentences I thought this was brilliant but the way he uses the examples of doing it too early always made me laugh then he talks about getting better at holding it off until the last two words so that also really (laughs) makes me laugh he actually does it on the last word so he has to kind of rush through it it's just I thought stuff like that was brilliant because it's Alan, I guess, Alan trying to be kind of down with the kids, but getting it wrong. He's talked about raised inflections before as well, and he's not talked about them in positive terms. So, again, mm. also enjoying that there's some slight contradictions with previous Partridge, uh, you know, canon, but it's all good. At this point, we move on to um, a kind of piece of grammatical pedantry uh, and the use of I and me. Um, I've always been a big, big fan of uh, Alan's kind of... Um, uh, grammar pedantry we've we there have been multiple instances of, of alan kind of explaining how people kind of get grammar wrong um and i found this as enjoyable as, as any kind of previous example uh, i did fact check it with my mum who's an english teacher and she confirms that he is right um so just uh, yeah segmented the audio sent it over to her on whatsapp and she said yeah he's right so can confirm I love that he went Excellent. to all the effort of creating a whole kind of sting just to explain the difference between between you and I and between you and me. Yeah. Also, just there, that was a bit Alan that you did, Nick. You were like, uh, segmented the audio, uh, down <laughs> under the desktop, opened WhatsApp, selected uh, a new file, sent it to her. She would then have clicked on it to open it, possibly within iTunes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I did enjoy with that that whole section that obviously he overcomplicates it. So by the end of listening, you're just like, what? Like, what is the rule supposed to be? Because the way he gives the examples is overly complicated. Yeah. So yeah, and the payoff being the payoff it being a three way dance as well. Like, how many times do you have a three way dance? Like, so awkward. Well, yeah, and he says yeah, on on more than one occasion. Yeah. Um, is it bath time? Uh, it is, oh, yes. but let's just let's just briefly talk about the fact that Alan has decided to stay on UK time for the duration of his trip, just to maximise efficiency and reduce jet lag as well, yeah. which I thought was uh, great. Yeah, <laughs> um, I mean, it's not it's not as ideas go, it's bad, obviously, but like I, I kind of like because LA, given the kind of city that it is, he can get everything that he needs to get 
at the times that he's going to be awake. So if he's ready for lunch at three in the morning, there is somewhere that he will be able to go to get lunch at three in the morning. Yeah, well, crucially, at 4.45am, he's ready for lunch and he goes to the 24-hour <laughs> diner where he's surrounded by hookers, hobos and homos, according to uh, Alan, in his own words. I mean, it's it's kind of... it. Obviously, the, the joke is very much like Alan has done everything wrong that he can do in terms of getting the best out of LA because he's basically spent most of his time stuck in traffic on an eight-lane freeway. Um, he talks about... That you know, going to twenty-four hour diners was fine, apart from the darkness and the slightly odd clientele. Um, and I, I mean, in a way, I almost felt mildly sorry for him because he's kind of having the most depressing holiday ever. He's sleeping through the daytime, uh, but it's it is the consequence of his own idiocy. Yeah, so it's, that, that, it's getting it wrong. That isn't only it? goes so far. Yes, it's yeah. twenty-four hour diners, but once you've had like a big night out or something like that, not just you're on UK time. Therefore, your che- your only option is to dine at four a.m. with kind of all the other people that choose to frequent it. Also, so kind of enjoying being on the freeway if anyone's been on the freeway in LA it's no. it's horrendous yeah, it's stressful and I the key the traffic jams on those things are massive it, it's horrible um, it also seems that he, it's, it's been quite a lonely trip in that he's so starved for attention that uh, after he's had his 4.40am lunch at the 24-hour diner, he seems to uh, have offered to drop off three sex workers at their houses uh, at the end of uh, at the end of the meal <laughs> yeah and the details but the good days- news is he got he does get a good 30 second wet kiss from the older one so yeah. Uh, yeah. it's all been worth it um, we, did, uh, we did also hear um, a little earlier in the episode uh, Alan and Seldom having um, well it's Alan having a bath but Seldom essentially like badgers his way into the bath um, at which point Alan says alright 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 your bath uh, <laughs> and I just thought the idea of Alan and Seldom sharing a bath together was a step too far plus I never thought I'd see the day when Alan shared a bath with a dog well, I don't know if they actually share it because I think doesn't he say Seldom's in here now, so I guess it's for him. So I, yeah. I don't think Alan even, even oh, gets in. That's no, purely no. for Seldom. Alan, Alan's had his bath stolen outright by yeah. Seldom. <laughs> um, just a quick thing on on the conversation around jet lag as well. I don't know what you guys think of this, but um, like basically when he's when he's running the bath, talking about how tired and jet lagged he is, he says nobody has jet lag worse than I do. When other people talk about jet lag, I can always beat them. I sort of win because mine is the worst. And I thought. I feel like there's quite a lot of truth in that. Like people always seemed happy to declare how much they struggle with jet lag. And I think particularly if you put it in kind of a media or a broadcast industry context, it almost becomes like a badge of honour or like martyrdom. Like, oh, I'm so jet lagged because I've been for meetings in LA or something like that. So I thought that's maybe kind of where the dig is going slightly there. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, And also the worse your jet lag is, the further it implies you've been and therefore the more important. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Or, you know, you, or, or the further you've been for a shorter time. So you've flown to LA for two days of meetings and come back again or something like that. I we, believe we've all been to LA. What are people's general thoughts about it? I'm not a massive fan. I spent like four days there and that was enough for me. Uh, I've, I've not been actually. And okay. I, have no, I have no interest in going, to be absolutely honest with you. I think it's a fine place to get the most of it. I think you want to spend time there with people that live there and know it know it well mm. because it's such a car based city you want somebody that can basically drive around to all the, the best places particularly when you're there just in a holiday context what i will say about it is that you can have multiple holidays there so i went uh, when i went there it was beautifully sunny went to the beach and then the next day we went skiing in the mountains mm. mental yeah um nice. so yeah. i actually have a question for you tom shoot as a, a fellow owner of a big dog like alan <laughs> has duke ever tried to get in the bath with you Oh no, he uh, he doesn't like baths or, oh. or any kind of any kind of washing. Basically, that is he's not a fan. <laughs> but does like rolling in shit and mud and all of that stuff. Likes getting dirty, but doesn't like getting clean. Don't you have to power wash him? 
<laughs> I think power washing is a bit extreme. Um, no, he likes, uh, you know, he quite likes to swim and stuff like that. But yeah, but baths and uh, the like is uh, not, not for him. <laughs> He's not street graffiti. <laughs> Get rid of that. You know, uh, like a yeah. big hose, hose him down. No, it's uh, it, it's it's a, a few gentle buckets of slightly warm water. <laughs> Just chuck with on a him. special with a special doggy shampoo. Um, I think it's time to move on to an, uh, the next kind of sting or, or, or kind of. Uh, uh, I love this. Yeah, I, I mean, insert, I, yeah. I had no idea what was kind of uh, happening or going on because the kind of like I guess didgeridoo sound plays for quite a while. So you're kind of like thinking, what what is this? <laughs> then it turns out that Pear Tree Productions want to hear from you if you're in a tribe. <laughs> so <laughs> com- advertising <laughs> exclusively yeah. in English yeah. on a podcast from Alan Partridge. <laughs> also, no context, no detail, no explanation as to kind of why they're looking to do this or what would be required if you want to participate um, the only the only question is uh, or the only request is that you uh, leave your message in English and that it's short <laughs> so uh, yeah <laughs> um, obviously the humour comes from how ludicrous it is that anyone who would be eligible for this uh, this show would actually be listening to the podcast uh, but why not let's throw it out there if you're in a tribe and you're listening to Monkey Tennis please do drop <laughs> us an email at thepartridgepod at gmail.com we'd love to hear from you but keep those messages short <laughs> please keep them short and, and in, in English, English. <laughs> yeah, uh, Nick t- t- to be fair the way they're kind of like canvassing that is a bit like what tv production companies would do they'd be like if you're aged between 16 to 34 and live in leeds we want to hear from you something like that like that is kind of a production company type thing but i don't think it works on a podcast that would have such a niche uh, listenership yeah. well, why is that particularly why is that for tribes people why is that exclusively been targeted <laughs> yeah. at, at, at me why, why have you only told me that why not t- tell the whole group because you were saying you thought it was weird so i'm just <laughs> responding to what you thought oh okay fine i, I think it is a bit weird but Fair enough, you've cleared that up. We now hear from one person that Alan wants to thank, who's been a real rock for him. <laughs> I, I know it's a name that we're all familiar with. Does anyone have uh, anyone have notes on this? Eric Dorfmeyer. Uh, Eric Dorfmeyer. <laughs> yeah, Eric Dorfmeyer, of <laughs> the course. Fixer. The fixer. <laughs> oh, sorry. Eric Dorfmeyer. I like to put the emphasis yeah. on the Eric, but that's yes. just me. <laughs> um, not Eric Dorfmeyer and not Eric Dorfmeyer. Yeah, so it's Eric Dorfmeyer um, who Alan met, obviously, uh, in, in sort of the post-fallout of um, his BBC show where, um, as we know, he killed a man, or as Alan likes to put it, <laughs> contributed fundamentally to his sad death. Um, so Alan goes out to LA and meets uh, Eric Dorfmeyer a TV fixer Um, I did enjoy the kind of like trilogy of uh, uh, stories that kind of accompany uh, Eric Dorfmeyer and Alan's continued gullibility before we get into that though I think the key thing that that we missed there is why Alan went to LA in the first place is because he paged Lynn simply what do now and Lynn responded with LA yes although Uh, she didn't actually mean LA did she Exactly. She mentioned meant to write Lanyard Company. <laughs> but, uh, before we get to LA then, um, Alan and his friend Daryl Flench. We've been hearing a lot about Daryl Flench in um, the Oast House, mm. haven't we? We've never yeah. heard him in the uh, kind of, you know, in, in, the, in the timeline before, but now we can't stop for hearing stories about uh, Daryl Flench. So uh, Alan and Daryl um, believe that they have the next big thing uh, that's going to hit the Lanyard industry, which is basically reusable lanyards. <laughs> which i mean aren't uh, presumably this is that's the joke but all lanyards are uh, reusable you take the little bit of paper out and you put a different bit of paper in it's a new lanyard this was 94 i guess but yeah it's it still seems perfectly plausible that they were um but unfortunately the two uh fell out having a fight in a car park because they couldn't uh agree on the names um so alan wanted to call it 
big lanyard and Daryl wanted to call it lanyard 3000 which both both bad but I would have voted for lanyard 3000 well can, can we run a poll on the better company name yes I think that, that's that's essential of course um also did you guys spot that Alan says that they were going to be doing uh yeah he said Alan says they were going to be doing online ads but then he's also talked about the fact this was in 1994 I thought that sounds a bit questionable because how prevalent would have online advertising been in 1994? Yes. I'm not sure Ask that I believe Jeeves. that. Jeeves will tell you. <laughs> <laughs> or Alta Vista. Um, thankfully, uh, him and Daryl have managed to settle their differences since the car park fight, and Alan's now godfather to both of Daryl's dogs. There's one other very subtle gag that I enjoyed that we skipped over earlier where he was talking about the differences in attitudes of business people in LA and the UK, saying that um, in LA you could do something like, you know, suggest making yet another Spider-Man movie and no one would laugh you out of the building, which I thought was really good because mm. it does always irk me that Spider-Man franchise basically gets rebooted every two to three years with diminishing returns <laughs> and no one ever seems to think, maybe just give it a rest for a while. No, let's just keep making more of them. Andrew Garfield, Tobey Maguire, the other one, keep Although those <laughs> yeah. last two Spider-Man films are very good and have done very, very well. I enjoy both of them. But the, the, the uh, Andrew Garfield ones were rubbish. Um, so it's back to Eric Dorfmeyer, um, who is crucially, and I, I need to stress this, he is a TV fixer, although Alan did meet him while he was driving a cab, but that was just a hobby. He is definitely a TV <laughs> yeah. fixer, right? <laughs> Um, and if we're talking chronologically, there is a br- this story is briefly interrupted with a sting um, for WD-40 or water dispersant <laughs> 40. Um, the reason it's called WD-40 is because it was their 40th attempt at creating the WD-40 recipe. Uh, I think that works because... That is true, by the way. Yeah, that is true. I didn't question uh, the, the truth of it. I just think the humour is in how ludicrously inappropriate it is for that to be included in this. It serves no one you know any kind of like it's of interest to no one essentially um but yeah i had to include that but to say i also like that alan uh, has faith in eric as a hollywood fixer because he oozed la and he had good big teeth <laughs> Do you know as well that um i think doesn't eric offer to grab him a coffee um but in previous apu uh, times alan has taken issue with the phrase grabbing a coffee i think doesn't psychic simon uh, say he's going to grab a coffee and alan says who grabs a coffee he thinks he's a doctor in er uh, I mean, he's in LA now. Yeah, he's happy with it this time. <laughs> um, so essentially, there's a series of stories where um, Eric tries to set Alan up with lucrative TV meetings um, for significant amounts of money. And when Alan kind of questions that, Eric caves, inverted commas, and says, OK, well, if you just give me half the money <laughs> and then you can pay the rest upon delivery. Um, so there's a series of meetings where he's going to meet with some people at NBC, um, with the head of... Uh, Thai TV um, but none of these meetings come to fruition but Alan in some respects is grateful because effectively he's been spared the other 50% of the investment um, so actually he sees Eric as doing a, uh, uh, him a good uh, service although he is struck with tragedy when he meets Eric's twin brother who, uh, <laughs> who informs him of Eric's uh, timely death and it would seem that Eric's fallen on somewhat hard times uh, well, his twin brother, not Eric. Not to, Eric. To, to be clear, yeah. Eric's twin brother has fallen hard yeah. Um I, I loved that that sequence of events that you've just gone through. In particular, the way with kind of each example, Alan says something to the effect of, it doesn't feel right. <laughs> and then also when he's saving half the money, he's always like, that's pretty good. Yeah. Um, yeah, does, does anyone keep a running title of how much money he's pleased for by Eric <laughs> slash Eric's fictitious twin it, brother? No. Is it seven and a half grand? 
Uh, it, well, technically, it's seven and a half grand plus everything he had in his money bag, which he gave to Eric's <laughs> twin brother for Eric's funeral. Yeah, but in Alan's mind, he saved seven and a half thousand pounds. Yeah, yeah. See, the whole, this whole section is a bit silly. Like Alan, I cannot, like I can't believe that someone would actually fall for that to that level. But even though it's silly, it is a lot of fun. Sorry, just very quickly, the next note on my, the next thing on my notes is Cushion Wagon USA, but yeah. I can't remember what that's in reference to. That's, I've just uh, written, that's the show. I've, I've just written Cushion Wagon USA and I can't remember what it is. Don't worry, I've got loads that's of notes the show on this. Alan's trying to get a commission. Yeah. Yeah. He's trying to get a commission um, and essentially they're, they're kind of probing him on what makes this different from any other trucking show um, and Alan basically says um, cushions, uh, yeah, which again just highlights how ridiculous this is and the fact that he has almost no uh, USP yeah. when he takes uh, his shows to commissioners. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Did you enjoy the way that he stalls in the meetings as well? Every time they ask him uh, for more detail on the pitch, he'll say, that's a good question, and I'm happy to answer it. <laughs> <laughs> a brilliant tactic. Um, and I like that uh, he does manage to improvise with these cushions quite quickly. Uh, I think he, he mentions cushions. Then when he needs to elaborate, he says that uh, it's going to involve having the truck be full of cushions and that everyone he meets gets a cushion uh, in the sort of <laughs> Eleanor Oprah style of, you get a cushion, you get a cushion, you get a cushion. Uh, one show i was interested in and would see is alan in the hood um which is basically alan in a posh hotel and then moseying on down to the hood uh we've obviously seen alan um having form in this area kind of uh, going into kind of project style areas uh and he references places like uh birmingham and glasgow as areas that he might want to go down to in terms of being in the hood but yeah i would very much oh yeah he's he's saying that so the projects in america he's saying that's the American version yeah. of Birmingham or Glasgow, yeah. Yeah. Um, some great bits about uh, Alan's travel techniques here as well, that he never checks luggage, just takes the biggest carry-on wheelie bag. Um, and he said that uh, last time he went to LA, he actually brought Lynn, brought his assistant, mm. uh, but she was a colossal style cramper, uh, and he obviously put her into a motel while he stayed in a nicer hotel. I know, um, obviously, uh, when we covered um, Alpha Papa, there was some chat, I think we found in interviews and stuff like that where the Gibbons and, and Steve and maybe Armando Inucci said um, it would be so easy to take Alan to America. You know, they kind of did that with Mr. Bean and, and they've done it with other sort of British comedy characters. It'd be so easy to pick him up and transplant Alan to USA and all the hijinks that they would get up to there. 
and I kind of agree with him, but when I heard in this episode him talking about he, he Alan took Lynn to LA, I would love to see Alan and Lynn in LA. Like doing a road trip would be so good. Exactly. That that that's in my notes as well. I would love to see that as a TV special, Lynn and Alan in LA. Uh, just this bit where she goes to a casino, set loose on the blackjack table, <laughs> wins five thousand dollars, shouts "yeehaw" and starts handing it out to men. <laughs> I love it. Didn't take much to change her. No, uh, but yeah, she, but she's later praying uh, that she's she's worried the money would change her. And as as Alan said, and as you said in the intro, uh, he says, "However much I want you to change, I don't think five grand is going to do it." Yeah, so, so Alan's like kind of telling her basically to. I think he tells her to keep her knickers on because she's so excited. But he's a bit like, when you think about it, he's taking the shine of the fact she's won half a year's salary. Yeah. No wonder yeah. she's celebrating. Yeah. The other thing is that we always know that kind of lurking beneath the surface is dark Lynn. So, you know, when Tony <laughs> Hairs dies and she celebrates that fact, um, uh, 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 just like uh, any, op- not a- any opportunity, but like given a slight inch, Lynn will like fully go into dark Lynn mode. So like by the end of this holiday, you could probably see that she becomes addicted to gambling um, and, you know, just like pounding the booze as well that's given out for free. Do you think there's an argument that actually Alan has seen enough of Dark Lynn that he basically is responsible for keeping her on the rails? Oh, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and she does give some money to Age UK in the end uh, as a sort of a penance <laughs> for winning the money. But Alan considered this basically the same as her paying herself. <laughs> uh, and it's at this point that we go to Twitter for the final time in this episode. So Alan is asking more uh, about what you like about America. Um Paul says that he basically just likes long cars and Cadillacs. Um, And then in one of the most (laughs) dark comments I think we've heard thus far, uh, Robin says that uh, he likes uh, singing the national anthem, although his wife is Somalian um, and sadly lost her family in a US drone strike. So uh, one can only imagine what that situation must be like at home. (laughs) Also, the the thing about the the Cadillacs saying that the fins on the front were called kidney slitters, uh, you know it's kind of that's quite consistent with alan in terms of delivering a horrible image in a chirpy tone the way he talks about it it's a bit reminiscent of the way he'd often interact with a darker or slightly odder like cooler on the on the radio show or something like that you know he'll be quite up and quite chirpy in his delivery even though the the con the content is actually quite dark um, and now that he's back in good old uh, U of K, he uh, likes to relax <laughs> with, uh, but I get back to some sort of more British things. So a pint of Guinness, as he says, it doesn't get more British than this, as he sups the uh, famous British brew Guinness, um, and then uh, invites us to listen to the drawer on his wood burner, which actually is quite relaxing. What but- I quite like about this is that the whole episode is about LA and American things, and then really quickly and suddenly he's just basically done with American things and just gone, actually, I really want a lasagna, Italian, Guinness, Irish that he says are British things. He's basically completely done with America on an instant right at the end of the episode for some reason. And it's interesting as well that obviously he's chosen to go to what sounds like, quite frankly, an awful pub, um, but it's kind of quintessentially British. So, you know, it's got a bald man with a dangerous dog. There's St. George's bunting. And I thought the menus in a maroon, white, clean vinyl folder was quite an evocative image of a certain type of pub as well. Very much so, yeah. Yeah. But I assume that this, like so many instances, is further proof of Alan kind of um, talking uh, on a subject, but actually not really having much kind of investment in it. Or it's, it's you know, kind of a manipulation to serve the, the narrative of the story rather than him actually being invested in it. Because I can't believe that Aaron, Aaron? <laughs> Alan would ever choose America <laughs> over, over his home of, of uh, Norwich. 
Yep. Hard agree. Um, yeah, it's kind of almost like he's just, what have I been up to? What am I? What's coming up that I could twist into a podcast? And, and this time he happens to have been in, in LA. Um, so that's the end of episode 12, I think, unless anyone's got anything else. I did try to keep a tally of the kind of transatlantic pronunciations we get from him in this episode, swapping the uh, T's for D's. So I've got literally Atlantic, Residue, Rennet Convertible, Lade. I'm not sure if I've missed any, but um, uh, yeah, Siddy. it is quite he ironic. Says Siddy as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's probably loads more, but yeah, it's quite ironic when you consider he lambasted Dave Clifton for similar pronunciation many years ago. He did indeed. Um, okay, so we're on to episode 13 of From the Oast House, uh, subtitled Convict. Uh, it's time for Alan to have coffee with a convict. Uh, he's very, from the word go, he's very hell-bent on making the point that he gives a bit back. Uh, lots of references to his Christmases in the soup kitchen again. Um, I did put in my notes at this point, I wonder if later in the episode or in a later episode, uh, there'll be a reveal that it was a token gesture or perhaps an hour or that he said he does it at Christmas because there, there's no alibis to <laughs> well, corroborate his story. I do like the fact that he, he kind of has to comment and, and say, uh, he says kind of, uh, you know, earlier I suggested that I did uh, eight when in fact it was closer to three. Um, at least I, I think it's three. Actually, it might have been two. No, he says it's closer to three. I've done it twice. <laughs> yeah, okay. I think I did the and second one. And then he one. says, I think I did the <laughs> second one. <laughs> so actually, he's probably done it once, yeah. if at all. Brilliant. But there's something key you missed out here. He says on an earlier cod past. Yes, oh, I really? got that as well. Yeah, oh, he says cod past. Yeah. <laughs> and again, the, the, the whole Oast House series is littered with these kind of like mangled linguistics, yeah. which is a lot of fun. Um, I was also going to say, so he's at the very top when he's talking about giving it, giving a bit back, and he's then explaining uh, he doesn't mean verbal abuse unless if he's in a car, and there's a nice little payoff to that later. Uh, nice, good, good link. And of course, we've seen we've seen his kind of tendencies towards, I guess, in essence, road rage in something like Welcome to the Places of My Life when he's shouting F off at what transpires to be a child riding a bike. <laughs> um, and I think there might be some uh, intel here into why he's only done the soup kitchens once. He says that he loves the banter, uh, which primarily seems to be making fun of the fact that they don't have houses and he does. Yeah. Uh, so I wonder yeah. if that's perhaps why he's, he's not been quite as welcome back. I, or maybe I, he just hasn't bothered. I enjoy that that's the punchline to every joke. That They've got, you know, several instances of how they kind of rib him the only comeback he's got is don't you have a home (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so he mentors one hour a week with daniel a troubled teen but um in in much the same way as he thought he did eight soup kitchens it turned out to be two uh i worked out that he's been too busy to meet daniel for the last six weeks he's been busy yeah but they do have lots in common to be fair i mean they both like hula hoops (laughs) yeah uh, both wear baseball caps uh, both laugh at snapchat videos and both like ready salted crisps (laughs) Uh, there's a nice thing at this point where um, Alan has to comment on his own uh, diction where he's uh, talked about uh, ex-offenders, but he's concerned that it sounds like sex offenders. So he's just kind of clearing that up. Um, but he also feels the need, to, the need to stress that essentially you can't rehabilitate uh, a sex offender because essentially for, for them, everything needs to be sexy. <laughs> <laughs> I would say it definitely does. I mean, I'm sure this is very deliberate, but yeah, it, it in the in the prior to this thing, it definitely does sound like he says sex offenders to, yeah, to make I sure that I guess that joke scans. Yeah, I went and listened um, back as well. I think it's also worth pointing out just before that uh, that sting came in that Alan is also at pains to say that 
um, his regular mentoring sessions are not a social experiment or the basis of a heartwarming TV documentary. And I think we've seen this many times before in the APU. Alan saying what it isn't means that's exactly what it is. So that's the real motivation or one of the motivations yeah. behind this. Um, I tried to investigate the charity that he is doing this for, Best Foot, a charity that Charlotte, a woman he knows, runs. Um, the closest I could find online is there's a charity in Devon called Best Foot Forward, Dance in Devon, uh, which is, and I quote, a dance for falls prevention programme offering evidence-based dance classes to improve the balance of older people at risk of falling, uh, which is somehow seems even more partridge than yeah. the fictitious version. And by George, Charlotte is some lady... <laughs> Yeah, so he, oh, she had a twinkle, and Alan melted. Yeah, I mean, Alan, uh, we'll, we'll probably revisit this several times, but Alan is clearly um, uh, keen to foster something uh, more than just a, a business relationship um, with Charlotte, um, and he's getting a bit of a ribbing from the guys down at the Racket Club who are kind of asking, you know, what she's like. Um, and Alan likens her to Amanda Burton, who I knew I kind of knew the name, but I had to look her up because I couldn't remember exactly who she was. Um, anyone remember uh, uh, Amanda Burton? Yeah, she was silent witness. Yeah years ago she was but silent witness yes she was silent witness she, <laughs> she was the silent witness, witness. Yeah. <laughs> she is detective the silent inspector witness, witness. <laughs> <laughs> uh, i i enjoyed that she um, is quite softly spoken and sometimes alan can't hear what she says and so alan kind of goes on to give an example um i wondered for uh, about a minute as well yeah <laughs> i wondered uh, tom stab as someone that's seen tenet is this essentially what you have to deal with whilst watching tenet pretty much yeah i'd, I'd go along with that so what? Um, so yeah, we get Alan basically does an, gives us an example of being softly spoken for about a minute here. So the key the key things I pulled out were exciting synergies, in terms of cost, seven figure package, talks with Idris Elba, and bit of a wanker. So yeah, I thought that was quite fun. Do you think that that is actually alluding to some sort of real life conversation Steve Coogan's had, a film related conversation <laughs> Maybe. of some kind? Possibly, possibly. That's a good way of working it in. I do think this would be a great medium to just get digs in at your like famous friends or failed business relationships, wouldn't it? Uh, I did enjoy the bit as well where uh, Alan is talking about um, how he came to be involved um, with the charity. So he was basically a, 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 a charity event dressed as a pantomime dame, um, and uh, was a very presented... busty pantomime dame. <laughs> yeah. As he likes to detail. point out, <laughs> it's a charity auction for Enchok, the Norwich Chamber of Commerce, I believe. <laughs> Um, so yeah. But yeah, that's basically where we get the the the, re the reveal for his real motivation. So the documentary potential aside, that he was essentially struck by Charlotte, so he volunteered. Shaz, yeah. So Shaz. I guess yeah. my, my my question to the group: the next bit is we have Alan um, about to go to his first meeting with Daniel, and he basically keeps trying to get Charlotte to come to the meeting. So my question is: is it because he fancies her, or because he's anxious and scared that he doesn't want to meet Daniel alone? It's the first. Uh, Ninety percent the first one, ten percent the second one. Okay. Yeah. H hard agree with Adam there. Yeah. Uh, qu quick second question of the group: Have you ever used NAP to mean not a problem? <laughs> <laughs> as Adam repeatedly does. Just, he actually just says nap. Yeah, he does say nap towards the end of that section as well. Yeah. I did enjoy that uh, the first meeting didn't go well. Alan, Alan uh, <laughs> opted for a tough love approach minus the love. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah he refused to speak until daniel stood up straight daniel didn't stand up straight end of meeting <laughs> <laughs> it, it was a long hour 
So I think doesn't Alan start in in, in subsequent meetings? Alan takes to swearing more than normal to make him feel at home. So I enjoyed the I'm having a bloody cuppa and a fucking skull. Yeah, <laughs> and he tried a good cop approach in a previous uh, meeting where he basically uh, dropped a couple of magnums on the table and said, "Get your laughing tackle around that skinny boy." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't think it's any shock to anyone that Alan would be a terrible mentor to anyone. Mm. No, list doesn't listen to any of Daniel's answers. Completely zones out when he talks about his favourite grime artists. Um, but I did like the line where he does try to maybe give Daniel a little bit of help to, you know, try and keep him off the drugs by saying, why do heroin when you can get off your tits on nature and vintage cars? <laughs> yeah, and then goes into an extremely specific drug metaphor about seeing a kingfisher in the Norfolk Broads, which I enjoyed. Um, he does at least, when Daniel's talking about his favourite grime artist, politely zone out. So, you know, he's not completely cutting it off. I might, do that. Yeah. I might do that for the rest of this podcast, to be honest. Uh, also enjoyed that he says, Daniel had a grumpy face, but it's not his fault. He's had a grumpy life <laughs> uh, and I he is giving line. yeah he's he's so giving him kind of careers advice suggesting that perhaps he might want to consider it the car, uh, a career at the car phone warehouse um and he obviously knows that daniel enjoys um you know uh, uh grime uh, so he kind of suggests another type of wrapping is wrapping in an amazon warehouse uh, <laughs> and then and then finally it's when there's nothing else left it's just join the army <laughs> because they, they will take, take anyone, anyone. <laughs> um it's not exactly the same because uh, the, the setup and, and, and delivery is slightly different. But a lot of this reminded me of the time where Mark Corrigan goes to meet that guy who steals his phone in Peep Show. Oh, like in yeah. terms of the oh, setup, yeah. like they go to a greasy spoon, and it's like uh, Mark has no idea how to talk to this guy and is nowhere near on his level. I kind of imagine it kind of being a bit similar to that. Uh, there's some really nice uh, mispronunciations again here as Alan says uh, Skepper the Skeptics um, yes. and then also describes the uh, Welsh actress as Catherine Zeta-Jones <laughs> yeah I did like that um, uh, Michael oh god what's his name I've totally forgotten Michael it. Douglas Michael Douglas yes the grey crow he's still there <laughs> yeah, yeah that's the second time he's described him as looking like a grey crow <laughs> yeah just a great description all the way through. <laughs> Catherine Zeta-Jones gets together with Michael Douglas, who looks like a grey crow. She's 50. He's, what, 90? He's American. She's from an angry country called Wales. I'm going to do some live Googling. How old is Michael Douglas? He is 75. Ooh. 75. Do you reckon Zeta-Jones is 50? I think she's uh, a bit older. I think she's, I think she's probably 56. 54. Okay, she is... She's 50. She's bang on 50. Oh, I apologise. He he explains at this point how he could never co-present with Carol uh, and then goes on to imagine an entire scenario with her escalating into revealing that back in the day uh, it was a pocket dial that meant that he heard her having sex with a narcissistic sports pimp lover. Yeah, I was going to say, and I don't think that's an imagined scenario. I feel like we're getting a retelling of a blow-by-blow actual argument that has happened in the past as well. Blow-by-blow? Yep. Is it time for Grandad Graham? Yeah, well, I think this is a classic Partridge bit, isn't it? Where the point is about uh, Daniel's dad not being there, but Alan's immediately turned it to be about him and his granddad, who who was there, but he just died of, you know, old age. And so at some point he kind of left his life, whereas... Daniel's dad just hasn't been present in his life, but that's not really the point that Alan wants to make. <laughs> and he describes Daniel here as well as a 19-year-old mixed-race bad boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's quite funny. They're off for their eighth meeting, uh, so Daniel um, uh, phoning Alan, and you get a kind of insight into the way that Alan is um, prepared to speak to him. So he's like, yo, Danny boy, usual place and ting. 
And then uh, <laughs> Danny's obviously saying that he might want um, some Fanta. He's like, Fanta? You need, you need vitamin C? You might have open sores. <laughs> Just uh, <laughs> making sure that Daniel has enough uh, vitamin C should he uh, get some uh, open sores. And he's giving him a reminder about the paper mill in Wookiee Hole that he's obviously been giving him um, uh, grief about because he, he really is keen that uh, he gets his kind of career sorted so he just says I'll snooze you lose see you, fu- see you fucking later nutbag <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, and so Alan with that Alan is off to a greasy spoon which is English for a bad cafe and I have to agree I do think the term greasy spoon usually um, is associated with a subpar cafe the uh, see you fucking later nutbag that that that's essentially what he does in the school speech episode as well isn't it well, he just calls them nutters yeah, it's it, but it's that kind of thing. It's a great example of how Alan thinks he has to talk to young people. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, there's a lovely scene here where we become again familiar with how comfortable Alan is with aggravation and confrontation <laughs> from the safety of his vehicle mm-hmm. but crucially yeah. he backs down whenever it, it moves outside of a car um, so yeah you're trying to bum me with your car he shouts to someone yeah. uh, and then, but then bizarrely your horn is to warn not rebuke which is one of the weirdest things that anyone's ever shouted from a car surely I mean no one yeah I mean he's got a point that the, the, the horn is there to warn you of your presence whereas most people on British roads use it as a way of basically saying oh go fuck yourself but actually it should be there to say I'm here you're going to hit me. Um, just slightly before that, we get uh, the second confirmation of what this uh, mentoring is really about for Alan. Um, he says, uh, the ability to make a real difference to someone's life, and it help- and if it helps the brand along the way, then so be it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, just on the car aggression bit as well, it's basically a kind of a rerun of a joke that we've seen before in Latter Partridge. Uh, it turns out that he's shouting at a lady in her 70s, most likely, uh, in a similar way to him shouting at the girl on the bicycle in but previous possibly Partridge. Even, possibly even 80, I think. Yes. So we are we're kind of uh, privy to uh, the meeting that he has with Daniel, but Daniel has not given him um, permission to play out uh, his side of the conversation. So <laughs> in a kind of like fairly familiar Partridge trope, we only hear half of the conversation, but obviously that's all we need to kind of support the joke. So it turns out that Daniel has been stealing again, which Alan is not happy about, especially as what he's stolen is a TV. But because the brand is Sanyo, he's furious that he's gone to all that effort to steal something of such subpar quality well actually has he been stealing or is this the ploy to get the tv to get the ipad to get the alexa from alan he said that he's acquired these things from a friend Mm. this is what i took from it is that he said he's acquired Mm. these things from a friend and alan's like no you shouldn't do that because you know you could go to prison or you know go back inside or whatever here take mine like i think he's using it as a device in order to get those things from alan that's what i took yeah, from it there's anyway. definitely the discrepancy about whether alan has given him things in the past he's saying i'm 200 percent sure i gave that to you or something yeah like exactly that, yeah so mm. he has given it to him but he it's basically just a, a ploy to get more stuff from alan but i did really like the line you were prepared to go back to jail for a sanyo <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, a bad hi-fi there's a nice call back as well um as the conversation dries up you get alan's signature noise that he likes to make when conversation dries up so so uh, the long sigh and then the little noise at the end. It's the kind of cough laugh, isn't it? Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh... Uh, well, it's a few days later and Bestfoot have uh, decided to kind of cut ties um, with, with Alan. We're not really sure if that's because of, of Daniel or Charlotte's uh, intervention, but obviously Alan is not overly happy about that because inadvertently that means his uh, opportunity to have any form of relationship with Charlotte has also come to an end. 
Um, and he does admit he's not on her level, which, again, there's been a few of these kind of things, like when uh, in a previous episode he said he was too old to play Bond, that he's kind of he's a little more self-aware, a little bit more self-critical these days than perhaps he used to be. You, you say self-aware, um, although maybe what any normal person would do is provide a thank you card to Charlotte, say, you know, thanks for the experience, I've learned so much. No, no, what he does is he basically uh, gifts her a, a great big kind of gift basket, including a £50 voucher, so he's gone way over the top with his gesture. Of thanks. So the main reason that Alan thinks he isn't on her level is because she's dated Jez Butterworth. <laughs> that for him, that that's the key to it. So I, I'm going to admit here, on the first listen, I just assumed that Jez Butterworth was like a made-up character name because I thought that's a bit of a ridiculous yeah, same. name. I, I and then upon googling, well. obviously he isn't. He's an incredibly famous playwright, screenwriter, and director. Did you guys know that or not know that? No, is it just me being a bloke? I, I didn't know that, but I did do a bit of research and and yeah as you say famous playwright and uh, scriptwriter he co-wrote edge of tomorrow which is great yeah he co-wrote, co-wrote Spectre, Spectre, which is meh, and uh, he co-wrote <laughs> ford versus ferrari which i have not seen yeah and also <laughs> plays like the ferryman and jerusalem uh, were incredibly successful and famous so uh From yes us. does it does pay to do your research basically and so, uh, yes, when he's turned down by Charlotte, he says, uh, I appreciate her honesty, but I certainly won't be helping any more young offenders. So, uh, yeah, the real motivation laid bare for all to see at the end of the episode. Um, did anyone also notice that there were multiple references to Amazon in this episode, which I don't know if that is something that has been baked in because of the uh, nature of the, the, the podcast and the relationship with Audible. Um, but you would think, yeah, it's quite subliminal and subtle because I must admit, it didn't really like um i didn't really connect it when you say it but yeah the alexa rapping at the amazon warehouse like there is several yeah, kind of mentions yeah, there yeah. i feel like it's i, I, feel like alexa, it's a, yeah. I think it's a little bit similar to like if you're watching a film made by 20th century fox that, and there's a news broadcast in the film it's always going to be fox news you know it's, yeah. it's that same kind of parent company tie-in thing good spot uh, anything else for this episode convict yeah well i just what well, i thought it's worth recapping um basically alan's actual motivations behind uh, his mentoring sessions so he used it as a way to try and initiate a relationship with charlotte that it might help build his brand to be seen to be doing good work and he was also hoping that it might lead to a documentary so he doesn't give a shit about uh about daniel really and as alan does say when he signs off he says i certainly won't be helping any more young offenders <laughs> so it was never yeah. really about helping the youth he, was it he's failed on all three aims there as well even in his own selfish way he didn't get charlotte he didn't get a documentary and brand partridge has been damaged i would shock, say by this shock experience horror. <laughs> Um, and I was also going to say, I'm keen to see what you guys make of this in terms of the overall Oast House series. But for me, this felt like one of the weaker episodes personally. I think the first half was much better, like laying out the context and the multiple reveals of why he's really willing to do it. And then the actual interactions with Daniel as described or heard, I thought were a bit weaker. And I was thinking about it. In essence, it feels a bit like a bit of a one scene or a one sketch idea stretched out over a whole episode so to have this concept of this in something like a scissor isle style partridge show i think would be brilliant but because you know it would be like a little three minute insert like yeah. when he goes to the party and takes ecstasy or something like that i think for a 22 23 minute episode it was a person it was a bit lacking for me or a segment yeah. on this time yeah 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 and i mean it's not the first time we've seen him kind of you know opt to deal with disadvantaged youths or what he sees as disadvantaged youths as well so it's not even particularly new ground i do think it was a bit of a slight episode yeah yeah Yeah. a little bit a little bit padded out okay i think that pretty much brings us to the end of the episode
yes, it does. So um, if any of you have got thoughts on uh, this episode on Oast House or on Partridge in general, get in touch with us on Instagram at Monkey Tennis Pod, Twitter at The Partridge Pod, Facebook.com slash The Partridge Pod, email The Partridge Pod at gmail.com, or leave us a voice note on WhatsApp, uh, and we might use it in a future episode. 07923 600 is the number for that. Uh, if you're enjoying what you're hearing, then please do rate and review us uh, on your podcast provider, and also uh, maybe shout us the cup of coffee that we're constantly asking for. <laughs> ko-fi.com slash monkey tennis is where you can do that um, we'll see you next week with another double helping of Oast House uh, and we'll find out if dreams really do come true until then from all of us at Monkey Tennis the Alan Partridge fan podcast thanks and goodbye I'm going to uh, log on to Amazon and look for a Sanyo hi-fi <laughs> uh... this is the beauty of podcasting the freedom of the medium <laughs> good compare Monkey tennis. Bring, bring. Fireworks. Don't muck about. Trees are my pawn. Monkey tennis. Ready, steady, fuck off. Scratch me. Are you being served? Monkey tennis. Excuse me, your dog's taken my dog's stick. With a chuckle, with a chuckle. Monkey tennis. Yep, absolutely. Yep, 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 absolutely. Generally, I think new ideas are bad. Monkey tennis. Why not consider chips? You must come and stay in the barn. Fuck off. Riddle me that, you nutters. Nothing refreshes like an ice-cold glass of milk. Nah. Monkey Tennis from the Oast House. Keep it down, love. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.